to truly believe in the magic. What's up, Magic fans? Welcome to Orlando Magic UK's weekly podcast, Penny for Your Thoughts. Uh, today is Thursday, the 12th of October, and we will be recording episode 143. Um, so today we're going to be joined by a man from the NBA UK community, who everyone will recognise, but I'll, I'll keep uh, keep that a bit of a mystery until a little bit later on. Actually, there's no point, because you'd have read the... Uh, read the title of the podcast and you'll see who it was. Never mind. Um, so it's going to be uh, Mr. Elliot Wade from Hooping and Luton. So he's going to be joining us a little bit later on now. Um, we're going to be recapping the Magic's opening game of the preseason against the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, I'm taking a look at the ESPN um, NBA rank panel and just having a quick look at the uh, 100 players that made it uh, and offering our... Observations on that. So, without further ado, I am joined by Sunderland's finest uh, this evening. Um, on deck, it's the Gary Craggs. How are we, mate? I'm all right. I'm obviously not Mr. Hooping and Luton in the face of the uh, NBA UK community, but if you're watching from the start, this will just have to do. <laughs> How are you, mate? <laughs> I'm good, thank you, mate. Not too bad, thanks. Just nice to have basketball back, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit different this week, isn't it? And it's it's a weird feeling because I think in previous years, since we blew it up, I think every season it started, it's just been what can Paolo show us, what are the rookies going to show us, what we're going to see out of Moles, etc. This season's different. I actually have expectation. I actually have hope. And I expect to win games. And it's a totally different feeling the last few years. It's a totally different feeling. Really, even during the the rebuild era with like Vooch and stuff, this just feels different. Um, it feels more like when we actually realized we were good, when we had Dwight and Jameer and such, and there was the expectation then. And it feels a little bit like that. It feels that level of excitement and the level of excitement when we drafted Dwight and we had like Grant Hill coming back and such. I know that didn't pan out immediately, but you knew down the line things were going to be fine, things were going to be all right. And it feels a little bit like that, where I've got an expectation that the Magic are going to win games, games are going to mean something, and I expect to be watching basketball after the regular season. Gee. Excellent, yeah. No, like you said, there's a real purpose to the team, a real direction with everybody pulling the same way. Um, And obviously there's a lot of excitement uh, amongst us fans uh, and just having everybody back and, you know, good performance, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, But yeah, no, it's good to have Magic Basketball back. So before we get into the New Orleans uh, preseason game that we had on Tuesday night, uh, I just want to make a a mention of our Patreon. So as you may know, um, over a month ago now, we launched our very own Orlando Magic UK Patreon page. Uh, So basically the Patreon, if you don't know, it's a subscription service with basically help us uh, support us what what we do here at Orlando Magic UK, uh, things like websites, equipment, etc. And then we do give back by way of giveaways. So we had the uh, the yearly league pass prize last month. Um, and then we've got another prize, which I'll mention in a, in a second, um, for October for any new Patreons uh, on the McGrady and the Anderson tier. 
Um, but I'll get to that in a second. So there are three levels uh, available. That's the O'Neill tier at £2 a month, the Anderson at £5, and the McGrady at £10. Uh, so just a shout out to our patrons. So thank you to Angus Craig, Dylan Holden, Drum Drum, Drummy Drum Drum, Paolo and Franz Warmth, Gary Clark, Sean Moore, Ollie Law, Liam Radbourne, and Alan Kane. Um, and then we've had two new patrons join this week. So again, thank you to Mr. Mark Joss and Tom Sohn, uh, who've joined on the McGrady tier. So thank you ever so much for your amazing support. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, I mentioned a prize. So, you know. Hell of a prize. It is. It is. And I'm sure we'll talk about it later with Elliot because uh, he's a Jersey man, isn't he? He is. He is. So, um, so our partners at Fanatics are going to assist us in giving away a classic jersey, uh, the ones that synonymous with uh, T-Mac and the Heart and Hustle team uh, for this month's Patreon giveaway. So all you need to do is be subscribed before the 30th of October uh, to be in with a chance for the draw that will be made on the 1st of November. So keep your eyes peeled for that draw. So let's get into the Orlando Magic against the New Orleans Pelicans. So oh, it was basically happy faces all around, wasn't it, Gar? Magic opened up preseason with a 122 to 105 win over the Pelicans. Uh, no Magic starter played more than 20 minutes. Um, we trailed quite, quite by quite a bit in the second quarter. I think it was by about 16 at one point. We thought this might get a bit of... Uh, away from us but luckily um, we executed well during the final three quarters we didn't see much of the starters towards the uh, in the second half um, t- to take away a 17 point win so I know you had problems with your, your league pass and I'm sure mm-hmm. you're going to get into that now but what were your main takeaways from the W from what you have seen mate I'm not going to send anyone to sleep by talking about League Pass just to say that I had to end up watching on her uh, <laughs> extended highlights, which I wasn't thrilled about because um, I had geared my whole day around watching it yesterday. So I sat down about half eight, nine o'clock last night to watch the game and then couldn't. So um, I, I watched the extended highlights. My big takeaway really is Wendell. I think when you look at that, and I noticed on Twitter the other day there was a one of those like tier system. I don't know why people get the time from to do this, but one of those tier system lists, and it had Wendell listed at the bottom of the NBA centers, like who get major minutes list as like one of the worst three technically, who was like sees minutes centers. And I, I kind of believe that really, um, and I think that proved first of all the value of Wendell, two that he's come out firing, and three, and I know you were going to talk about the commentary but they even picked up on the smoothness of that three-point shot. And watching him shoot those threes so smoothly is kind of a little bit like when Vooch added the three-point shot into his locker. And you kind of went, oh, wait on, where's this come from? This changes something. And it was smooth. There wasn't wasn't anything there where you went, that's a bad shot. That's a bad shooter. There's anything wrong with the form. It looked like he has really worked on what was pretty solid. It was okay. It was like league, league average last year. But I think Wendell was there. And then, obviously, it was a highlights package. But on that highlights package, it was pretty obvious that Mr. Bancaro had uh, came out with, you know, I think I'll just leave everybody with a few moments to remind you who I am. And year two is about to start. And Paolo just looked, to be honest, his hops looked better. 
Mm. He looked as though he had a little bit more athleticism and he looked as though he was taking some of that defensive energy from the Olympics, which had been commented on and brought it back to Orlando with him. So that was my two key takeaways, Wendell and Paolo and the goat did goat things, but we'll come to that. <laughs> Just to add up on on that uh, Bancaro point, I mean, he was matched up against Zion Williamson uh, and his defence on Zion, I think Zion might have got past him maybe once, but there was a couple of really good stands there where you know, he actually stood up to him. And, you know, Zion's a, uh, he's a big guy, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. Throws his weight around. So Bancaro being able to hold his own, um just great to see. And then it was, you know, that highlight dunk where he just took Zion off the dribble and stuffed it in over Valentunas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, let's let's get more some more of that tonight. Geez, um, would, would you say, though, that Paolo really, like what we've got here is when you think about it, he's 6'10", 6'11". He's one of the few guys in the league who can actually stand there with Zion and absorb because Zion's built like a baby shack. Yeah. That's what he's built like, but... You know, 6'10", 6'11", 250, 260, and moving like he does. Paolo's probably one of the few players in the league who has enough bulk on him to stand in front of Zion and do that yeah. because there are players like who've got talents like more Bamba, but th- there's obvious frailties in, in their build, their physique. Paolo's one of the guys who's got the bulk to absorb some of what Zion throws at him. So, yeah, it's a friendly, but it's interesting. Yeah, no, that's a good point, me. Good point. Um, yeah, f- for me, you know, I know we'll get on to, to Cole a little bit more later, but the aggressiveness that Cole came out with um, was just really good to see. <laughs> You're loving this, aren't you? Talk about the goat. <laughs> Talk about the goat. Get the goat love. But, you know, if, you, if you've got a spare bit of money, you know, put some money on um, Cole Anthony to win six man of the year. You know, the magic makes some noise. You know, he's going to be a big part of that. Um, and he spearheads that bench unit, you know, he, he's the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands. So uh, shoots the ball as, you know, as well as he can, then, um, you know, the the NBA should be on notice, really. Um, so, yeah. But you mentioned them at the top there, the New Orleans Pelicans broadcast crew. So, uh, obviously, we didn't get to see, uh, uh, get to hear David or Jeff uh, on this one. We had to make do with New Orleans. But in fairness, Antonio Daniels and Joel Myers, absolutely first class. You know, it was a bit odd listening to two other uh, commentators, but the research and the the knowledge that they had on the on the opponent was something you know you don't really see in the nba with the uh, some of the broadcast crews uh, i won't mention any names but some aren't very good uh, in comparison but no i'd certainly put antonio daniels and joel myers right up there uh, but they commented on the on the magic's death a number of times um and you've got to bear in mind, Joe Ingles wasn't playing also last night. Um, but how nice was it to hear from what you did here, Gary? And you've obviously seen on Twitter or X um, the positivity from the opposition. Didn't it? I think, sorry, go Jake, sorry. No, go, go on, on, go on. Go on. Um, I, I think with the positivity bit, I don't get too riled by it anymore because I'm just kind of used to it that we'll be, we haven't been looked at, we haven't been known about. And I think that um, part of that's maybe our own doing with where the team's been since Dwight left town. Mm-hmm. So I don't get too riled. It is nice to hear people giving positives. 
and I think it's a respect thing, and I think it goes back to expectation. You know, like, God love them, but players like Vooch and Fonia weren't getting the media attention for the Magic. Yeah. They just weren't. And there wasn't that expectation. The It was almost like, if we can get the eighth seed and get into the playoffs, that's kind of where we're at, and we've done well this season. And we know there was a cap on that. And I think if they weren't watching, and I've heard Antonio Daniels on before, and he, he, he knows the game. You can tell he's knowledgeable. But I think if people weren't watching before, what's happened over the summer with Paolo and France has made people sit up and take notice. And I think those two guys now, where it's flown under the radar a little bit in recent years, Paolo, probably one of the most slept-on rookies of the year Yeah. in how long? I think people now are thinking, hold on, um, maybe is this something Coogan down in Orlando? with these two and I think Franz doing what he did on the international stage has woken people up where it's no longer we just got to think about I think people are starting to realise now why Magic fans were saying that Franz had a legitimate shot at winning Rookie of the Year that year and I think people are starting to see that now because you do a redraft and that draft class Franz is going top three and he wasn't in the top three when he should have been for the Rookie of the Year voting. And you're probably saying it would be Franz, Kid, Mobley, and then I think probably Jalen Green would get a and Josh Giddy would get a say. The Rookie of the Year from that class, nowhere near. Yeah. Those guys. Um, but I think that would be a clear top five if you were doing a redraft. And I think Franz is right at the top end of it. Absolutely. I mentioned there at the top uh, about Cole being aggressive. Um, what, what do you like about what he brought? He, he was in attack mode straight away. And I, I know we spoke off air about this, G, but I think if people were watching the Magic, and again, it's preseason, don't get carried away, this type of thing, I understand it. But I know you'll say it's situational, but I will die on this hill. That if you said put your best five players from the Orlando Magic on the court to play, your best five, I'm probably, well, I'm, I'm definitely putting Paolo and Franz in there. I'm putting Markel in there. I'm putting Cole in there. And I'm probably going with Wendell as my fifth one. And then the only challenger of that would right now would be Jonathan Isaac about whether you put him in ahead of Wendell. But I, I would die on the hill that our best backcourt right now is Cole Anthony and Mark Helfold. Yeah, it's very hard to argue that, my friend. Um, and you mentioned Jonathan Isaac there. You mm-hmm. know, he was back. Uh, you can see the impact that he makes. You know, he makes makes the opposition really think, you know, can I do that? Can I not? Um, so having him on the floor, you know, is, is a real positive for our defence. Uh, did you like what, what you saw from him? Well, he had his uh, big ball of Judas on, didn't he? He did, he did. <laughs> Available gonna... in the UK as well now, by are the you, way. Are you getting a pair, G? Uh, I, I've got so many pennies, mate. I, 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 I don't know if I've got enough room. How much will a pair of Judas set you back in the UK? I don't know. I don't know. I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can research that whilst we're, we're recording. Oh no, that. it's fine. I just on the on the. I wondered. I, I'm not going to get pair of Judas I just thought I'll throw that out there but I saw them I saw a couple of players with their GI involved and to be honest what was really heartening about it is he didn't look like a guy who's missed the amount of time that he's missed he looked mobile he looked fluid 
Offensively, I think there's a little bit more to come with him. He's going to have rust on him. But in terms of his physique, in terms of his foot movement, in terms of his defence that he was bringing, it looked like Jonathan Isaac when he came back in for the 11 games last season. And what we need is, is we need a Jonathan Isaac who's going to give us the minutes that we need him to give us. And I want Jonathan Isaac to play over 60 games for the Magic this season. Yeah, Because I think if Jonathan Isaac features in 60 games plus, I think Orlando's got a pretty good record. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Um, we're just going to have a quick conversation about individual performances, but we've touched upon Cole. We've touched upon Wendell. We just mentioned J.I. Um, the bench, obviously, they played like, quite a lot, you know, last season together, you know, even with the starters, etc. situational, you know, obviously we've had a lot of injuries, etc. But what they did in that second half, they looked like a team, whereas the Pelicans bench, uh, I don't know what you'd have seen of the highlights of this, mm. um, didn't look as cohesive as our lot did. And it just really showed our depth. I, I just wanted to... I'm not being like, I'm probably being ignorant on the Pelicans here, G, but um, do you think the Pelicans have got our de- the depth that we have? No, I don't think they do. I'm just looking at their roster now. Kira Lewis Jr., um, Larry Nance Jr., who also came out, by the way, and said that Franz Wagner is really underrated. Cody Zeller, uh, Troy Murphy the third didn't play. And if I'm being honest, I don't recognize many of the others. Gates, Liddell, Marshall, Jameson. Mm. Yeah. They're Dyson good, Daniels, actually. Go they've on, got a good nine-person rotation. Yeah, that's fair. That's but fair. I th- I think that when you look at how deep we go, we can feel a field a pretty strong second starting five, and then have people saying, "Why am I not in that?" Like if if that starting five what came out for the Magic is the opening night starting five, which I think it will be. Yeah, I think that's the team that's going to start. When you look at what could be behind them, you've got Cole Anthony, you've got Gary Harris. You would put in Joe Ingles, maybe? Joe Ingles, yeah. Right, okay. Jonathan Isaac. And then do you put in more Wagner? Do you put in Goga Patazzi? We haven't mentioned Anthony Black, Jet Howard. And then you haven't even considered Chuma. the Chuma, but then Mac McClung as well. I'm going to get his name in, but like that's, our G- that's from our G League. Then yeah. you're bringing in guys like Mac, Mac, Mac McClung. You're looking at Keevon Harris. You're looking at Admiral Schofield. Like those three guys actually have a legit argument that they would be on an NBA roster. And we've got them as guys who are not guaranteed to get minutes. Yeah, you're right. And you're right. if you want a picture of how far our journey's come for the Magic, when you look at some of the players who've been getting minutes under the Hennigan era, and you look at some of the players who were getting minutes when we had Cliff here, like obviously injury curse had hit, and then the rebuild, and you look at it now, those guys wouldn't get anywhere near the Magic's team. No. And I'm talking starters as well. The starters who played for the Magic, I don't think would get any minutes at all now. No. Interesting, that. Huh? Yeah. You mentioned um, Black and, and Jet Howard. Um, they obviously got to uh, play some minutes on uh, Tuesday night, showed some flashes. Uh, good to see them make their debut, I think. 
It's good to see them. Um, I stand by what I said last week. I think they're going to have to earn what they get this season. Um, it's a different time period now. You know, when we had the draft where we copped in um, Jalen and France, they were obviously going to feature big minutes for the Magic. Paolo Bancaro, number one pick, he's going to take big minutes. But in previous times, we've looked at it and we know that, for example, we drafted Cole. He was going to play minutes, not the minutes he expected him to play because of the injury situation, but he was going to get minutes. Now it's like, you guys are here. Welcome to the Magic, but you might not see the court time that you hoped. And that that could be the things that stops these guys from making all rookie teams and such. And and that for them, they're gonna if they're featuring in our team, they've earned it. Or there's been injuries. It's one of the two. Um, but I think at the start, they're gonna any minute they get, they're gonna have to earn. So it's lovely to see them. You wish them the best. I think Jet Howard in particular fills a need for us that we we don't have. Um, the shooting stroke, the offensive end is there. I think there's gonna be nights if he does get minutes where you think, wow. There's something there with the three-point ball. He can give us something different. He can space the floor. And then Anthony Black, it's interesting where, where he's going to see minutes for me. Um, and it's well, going... he, did, he did do a lot of good stuff. I mean, yeah. just seeing him on the court on Tuesday night, you know, he's being guarded by, you know, these bigger guards and he was taller than them. Uh, His length... Uh, oh, so he brings are... something else, you know. Uh, you know, obviously needs a bit of work on his jump shot, but you know that'll come. You know, he's gonna have to put the work in there. But he's got all the tools to be, a, you know, a very successful NBA player. And we obviously hope that he is. I just think with the defensive end, you've got Markel, you've got Jalen, you've got Gary Harris, you've got three good defenders who have their calling card there straight away in our backcourt. So I think that um, for Anthony Black to get in there, that jumper is going to have to improve. He's going if if he adds the jumper, then there's there's an argument about him getting start to see minutes. But without the jumper, it's you've got to prove defensively and offensively that you deserve the minutes ahead of those three. So he's going to have to earn it. Yeah, good for luck, sure. So. Good luck to him. For sure. Um, so the Magic now play tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland. Um, so, more of the same, Gary, do you think? Um, no injuries. No injuries, please. None. I don't yeah. want any injuries. Um, <laughs> will, will Joe Ingles feature is one question. I don't know. Has anything, anything come out of that? I've Noth- nothing's come out, but I, I think they said before the game that Mosley's going to rest players periodically so I think Ingles got the nod on uh, on Tuesday night obviously having played in the World Cup so maybe Franz doesn't play tonight potentially and maybe Ingles gets his spot I don't know I wonder if GI plays tonight it's yeah I mean we don't back. we no it's not a back-to-back but I mean we don't play now I don't think until next Monday right. uh, okay. against the Pelicans at home Monday or Tuesday. Um, and then obviously we finish with Flamenco end of next week. So there's a bit of time there just to get your conditioning up. So uh Do you think yeah. it's what do you think? Do you think you're gonna see the same five roll out to start the game, or do you think you might tweak it? I, I think Franz will get a get a bit of a, a rest tonight myself. Uh just because you know the World Cup players, potentially Paolo, uh just and just see, you know, what, what else other people c- can do. Um, he's going to rest some people. I can't see him, you know, resting the rookies. Um, Jalen's come out, you know, 
since you know before preseason in uh, training camp and everything, like a man on a mission. I don't think he's gonna anyone's gonna stop him playing. Um, so my guess would be Paolo or France, but you know what do I know? Uh, so we shall see. But you just want more of the same, you know. Play maybe twenty twenty four minutes for the starters, um, compete, and um, the bench finish them off, isn't it? <laughs> Mac McClung with a 50-point performance off the bench. We love that. Are you still getting a Mac McClung jersey? Oh, you never know, G. You know, like, yeah. uh, if, you, if you're sending those uh, Welsh dollars this way, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Right then, it's time to get our guest in this week. So this is a man who needs no introduction, but he's going to get one anyway. Uh, so he's the owner of Hooping and Looting which, by the way, is the UK's number one jersey destination. He's a host at the Gloucester City Kings uh, Basketball Club. He is a sponsor for the Bristol Flyers and an all-around good guy. Mr. Elliot Wade, how are we, sir? I am very good, mate. Very good. Basketball season is back, uh, so it's a, well, it never really stops. But NBA basketball and British basketball, official seasons are back. So, yeah, everything is good. Absolutely. Um, and just tell us a little bit about your, you know, your promotion of the British basketball with your store, selling the jerseys. You know, you, you're making real waves, aren't you? I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm a little man just doing what he loves. Um, so, yeah, basically, Hooping and Loon were, so we, I am three and a half years old now. Um, the core of the business is selling uh, basketball jerseys, that's NBA jerseys, British basketball jerseys from all over the world, basically, all under retail. Um, we've now done well over 3,500 orders in the time just me being on my own, but we're now, now branching out to, um, try and be a platform for creatives around the UK for small entrepreneurs, you know, people which have a passion for basketball and do their own little side hustles. Uh, so I've launched a thing called the basketball creatives platform, um, where other brands have their items held in HL HQ so I send out all of the all of the orders and everything so it's still the same like number one service you know everything sent out straight away um but it's a chance to grow the store so have other people seen who otherwise wouldn't so we've got all range of things from performance tees to graphic tees to socks shorts uh NBA prints and Paolo Banquero prints online now but Skybox ones and more more things coming from there so you know, it's great that I've been able to build up a platform for other people's work to be seen. Um, and yeah, but a lot of what I do goes back into uh, British basketball and basketball around here. There's a chance to impact lives and increase opportunities to the younger generations that may not have had them before. Um, so from me starting a jersey business in the first place, it's actually given me a voice and opportunity to be seen and be heard and have an effect on changing people's lives. So it's a, it's a blessing. It's a lot of hard work. Um, people often see the outside and think it's just selling jerseys, take a couple of pictures, but it's a lot of hard work. It's me on my own. It's tireless nights. It's frustrating nights thinking what what's next, what needs to be done. You probably know, G, that I'm a bit of a perfectionist myself. Yeah. So obviously everything has to look right and done right. It can mean hours up a ladder to take one photo to get 20 likes on social media. But as I say, it's what I love doing. It's, it's all worth it in the end. And it gives me a chance yeah. to go up and down the country watching them. Uh, supporting basketball, so yeah, that's that's me. Um, yeah. yeah, no, you're doing a, br- a brilliant job, mate. And I, I, I gotta just 
pointed out I'm wearing one of your jerseys from your most recent drops. I was very lucky to be first first there at 7, 7 p.m. a couple of Fridays ago. So uh, made up with this Franz Wagner jersey. So like I said, just check Elliot out. You know, he's got a Bancaro prints on there. You've got all sorts of T-shirts. Just absolutely brilliant what you're doing. So, you know, kudos to you, mate. Kudos. Um, I, I didn't ask. I just wanted to know, how's Winston doing? I haven't had a Winston update in a while. It's, it's Winston and Winston now, mate. No, so I know. And I was going to ask you, I was talking to Gary before before we uh, came on, and it's like, Elliot's got to tell us the story about Winston and Twinston. So would, would you be so kind to tell our, our listeners the, the, the story? Yeah, so I've got uh, my, my little black cat, Winston. I say little, he's, he's a panther now. He is absolutely massive. Um, and I went away to Spain. Um, again, I'll, I'll put my diplomatic hat on here. He managed to escape whilst uh, my neighbour was feeding him whilst I was away on holiday. Um, now, Winston is a house cat that I tried taking outside a few times and it has absolutely none of it. He's like, no, I like the warmth. I like my sofa. I've got free reign of the house. So Winston went missing for about five days. Um, I came back from holiday early to go and search around for him. Couldn't find him anywhere. Then... Uh, we got told um, that a cat had been found, a black cat, about half a mile away. Um, so I'd gone down to this house and this woman had heard this cat getting beaten up by about four or five other cats. Um, she'd taken him in and fed him and apparently went through five tins of food straight away. So he'd lost a lot of weight. I've gone down there and it looked exactly like Winston, but it just lost a bit of weight so like this the this cat spine was protruding um through its back but this cat was petrified of everything but came bounding straight up to me um so to the house i came back up to the house got winston's bed got his favorite toy um took it down to the cat the cat jumped straight in the bed uh taking the toy in his mouth as he usually would brought him back home uh using this litter tray as anything now this cat was obsessed with me, like wouldn't leave my side, but was petrified of everything. So I didn't want to say, I, was like, I had little doubts in my head, but he had the same like ginger stripes underneath on a black cat. I was like, do you know what? Something's saying it's not him. But everyone was telling me I was being stupid. They're like, no cat would be like that with you. And I didn't want to take him to the vets for the first week or so because he was petrified of everything. So if I took him into the vets and he saw another animal, it would have just, just been a horrible experience for him. And then I think after about a week and a half or so, I was like, oh, I kind of don't want to give up this cat anyway. So I kind of convinced <laughs> it was my hat. Three months later, get a phone call from the vet. Is that Elliot? It's like, yeah, why? Right. Like, we've got Winston here. So I looked, looked, at, looked down at my lap. I was like, no, no, no. He sat on my lap. They were like, no, 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 no. We've checked his microchip. We've got Winston. So it turns out I've got another cat that's just been living rent free in my house for three months. Like, eating on his food, pretending to be my cat. Uh, so no one knows where Winston was. This, these other people had had him for two weeks and then realised he wasn't their cat uh, because he wasn't acting like their cat. Um so I took, uh, so Winston was microchipped, obviously. So I went down so I could take him back, which was fine. Um, 
I introduced him to the other cat, which I had, and they were fine straight away, like absolutely fine. But I've taken this other cat down to the vets. Um, turned out that when I found him, he would have been six months old. He was a stray, so he'd never had any owner. So he'd never been litter trained or anything, but managed to use Winston's litter tray straight away. Came straight up to me, like shit in my own. So obviously because he had no owner, then uh, I decided to adopt him and the name Twinston. So my two black cats are now living in harmony. Um, Winston is a very good, very patient uh, brother. So Twinston looks like a little bit of a runt of the litter. So he's very small and annoying to other cats and gets very jealous when uh, Winston gets attention from me. But Winston is just a chilled out panther that sort of Hmm. watches his lair over. And yeah, I've got two happy cats now. So they're they're good and enjoy themselves. That's brilliant, mate. No, when we were reading it, when you were posting the updates on Twitter, you know, we were in stitches. Absolutely brilliant. So, no, thank yeah, you. Shout out Melvin from uh, Suns UK too, because um, he came up with the name Swinston. Um, so, yeah, he could take the credit for that. But, yeah, they're my boys and they're happy. They're annoying little... My lads, I don't want to swear on you. They're annoying little ricks um, on occasions. But, yeah, they like to eat everything in my house. But, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. Cool, Gary. I was I was fully invested in the, the the whole Winston saga. I've got to say it. I was like logging on Twitter and stuff, and like, come on, like find Winston. And then when the cat that is now Twinston rocked up, I was like, thank goodness for that. And then I remember logging on one day, and it was at the top, and it was here's Winston. And I was like, what on earth have I missed? I feel as though I'd like ripped twenty pages out of the Lord of the Rings or something, and then like picked it back up and like, oh, what's happened here? Fully invested. I say, um. Yeah, there was another tweet. There was a, a similar story which went viral. It wasn't as good as mine, but it was basically the same thing that someone had at me. So I got a lot of messages after saying that someone copied your story. Um, but my boys aren't famous yet. I'm sure their time will come. Uh, it's, we all we all love the black cats on this pod. We all love the black cats. Gino, Gino <laughs> <what I'm> <laughs> he, he's uh, a Sund- Sunderland fan, mate. They call they call the black cats. No, we've got to go for it. Got to I, won't go. I, won't... Any, uh, I won't mention how successful their neighbours are at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of things we could say about that, but <laughs> you know, we'll leave that to the Daily Mail. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, but you've already told the story of the uh, the Hooban and Luton um, story to the Magic community who are listening earlier. But I'll just like to jump on the back of what G said um, at the start, and I, I ordered a couple of jerseys off you, the OKC ones, for one of my friends who lives out the country. And I would just say that the quality and the service of how quick they come through. And if he's looking for Thunder jerseys because he lives in the Middle East, he will message me and be like, "Has that guy you know? <laughs> has he got any? Uh, has, he got, has he got any? Good plug. He gets free shipping now if the order is over a hundred pounds. It's free worldwide shipping." I will let him know, but he's he's had me or he's he's had me what like sitting there going, is there anything on the drop? Is there because his he's two hours ahead, and I'm like, yeah, there's a, there's an OKC jersey there. What color? And I said, and he's like, right, I'll have that. So he's got a blue and an orange OKC jersey, courtesy of Hooten and Luton, which now reside in Doha, and he absolutely loves them. So that's good. I mean, it's great when you have people coming from around the world. So I've actually had um, people who have come over and visited. Uh, the studio from South Africa. Um, I've had an Australian, I've had a couple of Americans come over. Um, and whilst they're on their holidays to Manchester, I've gone, oh, can we come into your 
come into your studio, which is still quite a wild thing for me when I'm shipping orders all over the world. Um, I think it's now, I think it's 140 different countries that I've actually shipped jerseys to. Um, or sorry, is that, that's how many um, different countries people, visitors have come from. Um, but it's quite a mad thing to think sort of one little person and what started out is just couldn't find a jersey support. I'll start up my own thing. Um, has grown into and that's the key from is it is it's giving everyone the opportunity to get jerseys that's why the drops are done as they are is everyone has the equal chance to get a jersey at the right price there's no sort of premiums placed on something because it's rare obviously if I'm getting game worn jerseys and stuff like that then obviously they're going to have a premium on them but in terms of retail jerseys everything's always priced below retail so people will have the chance to get those jerseys even if they're not multi-millionaires that can afford to spend whatever they want and then times are hard at the moment so it's, it's good to be able to support and especially with the kids jerseys now um, when I started off it was giving out kids jerseys because they were so unaffordable to people I mean charging £70 charging parents £70 for a jersey which a kid is likely to grow out of in six months to a year it's just completely unsustainable and at first when I was giving out jerseys um, was when I was quite small so I was able to do that as it got bigger and bigger and all the demands for everything. So it's, it's still over 350 jerseys, which kids' jerseys, which I've given away. It just got too much. And, and I was finding that as I was got bigger, the demand was there and there for people to ask him for kids' jerseys and sort of clicked in my head that actually if I'm turning people away because I, I say I don't want to charge for jerseys, actually is that turning people away from the sport of basketball? Because if they've got that £40 in their hand, are they going and buying them a football jersey instead? Um, because they can't get hold of basketball jerseys. So actually is my own pride a little bit of a detriment to the sport. And then it was the dilemma in my head of saying, well, I didn't want to charge for kids' jerseys, but actually if I'm still getting them for a reasonable price for people, then we can do that. And that's then why I launched my own kids' jerseys, which are a significantly cheap price. They're only £25 is it means all the money which I generate from them means I can go for providing free jerseys to these kids' camps, um, to inner-city schools and stuff when they need them to give them out to get them into the sport. Um, so it's just the whole progression. And then that's from the eyes which people see and get over to there. So that's the that's the benefit of doing things not just for as much profit as you can, is actually thinking long-term and, and having a goal of wanting to make an impact on the sport and not just thinking, do I want to get a quick buck in my pocket? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's what what's as, as a bit of a connoisseur of a jersey, which G will also back up on this. Is that it's nice when your jerseys, when you're ordering, that you know you're getting a legitimate jersey as well. I know yeah. that it's fine, and that's a big it's, thing. Yeah, it's very very hard, and and I've always said so. Wait, there's I've got no problem with people which buy fake basketball jerseys because it's an yeah. expensive thing. It's a luxury item. And anyone that's wearing a fake jersey is free advertisement for me. Because if someone sees it and goes, oh, that, that jersey looks cool, they're going to go online and chances are they're going to come across my school, my store. Yep. My issue has always been if someone's selling a jersey, fake, which they know is fake, and saying it's a real jersey. Luckily, we're quite blessed in the UK that all of the people which sell us, the, the main stores, are all very good and we will communicate with each other if we see something that's wrong. That you know, We're very blessed in the UK that we have people which will look out and try not to mislead people, but then you go on to your, 
your auction sites so forth and it's just littered with them like your, your markets down in, in london and so forth yeah um but yeah that like i mean we still make mistakes I, i've handled well over seven thousand jerseys now and there'll still be ones which you come across and you're like mm, i'm not sure about that i don't know they're getting better and better but you know it's the same of anything if people want legitimacy checks then the same as always just find me on my social send it over and you'll get a response yeah. yeah. Um, so you're a fan of the Brooklyn Nets, as a lot of people know. And you got to go to Brooklyn to the Barclays Center. Yeah. For, for basketball a... games. So, t- so tell us all about it. That was in, uh, I was trying to work it out. I was talking about it yesterday. I, I can't remember if it last... was the start of last year. Was it like all these years are merging into one for me now? I think that's a sign of age. Once you get to yeah. like past your mid 30s, you're kind of like, I, th- I don't know what year we're in. I work out what day of the week it is by what sport is on TV. Um, so, <laughs> but when I went over there, it was when there were still some restrictions um, in America on travelling after the whole COVID pandemic, um, et cetera. Um, so when I went over to New York, it was like having my own private holiday because there was no one else there, which was... For me, really good. So when I went up the Empire State Building, there was only one other person up there, um, which was quite enjoyable. But I got to go out to the uh, Long Island Nets um, to sit courtside and go on the Jumbotron advertising the merchandise deal of the day. Um, and it was it's just a, it was a bizarre experience. But I say bizarre, it was very, very humbling because I, I've wanted to go out to New York since I was a kid, ever since watching Home Alone 2. Um, circumstances in my life have meant I was never in the position uh, health-wise or financially to be able to do it and it kind of got into my head that it was something that may never happen um, so when I was over there it, it was quite hard to take it all in at first because you sometimes build things up so much in your mind that you're like actually is the reality of this going to be not like the fairy tale in your mind Um but it was anything but that. And when I was at the uh, Long Island Nets game, their head of socials came out with like merchandise bags and stuff like that. And I had tickets for one game, uh, which was the game where KD injured himself and was then out for basically the rest of the season. We didn't see that because we were on dance cam on the jumbo trons. <laughs> sort of for five minutes, everyone was just like surrounding this person. Um, but then at the Long Island Nets game, the Long Island Nets GM came down and said, have you got tickets for one of the other days? And I was like, well, I haven't bought them yet because I was going to see how good a ticket he was going. He's like, I'll take my number and send me a WhatsApp later. And he was like, I'll sort you out with tickets. So I was like, no, I don't see. He's like, yeah, I can get as many as you want. He's like, I'll send you six and you can go and find some random people. <laughs> 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 but, it was, but it was mad out there because I went and sat in my seats, but I actually ended up moving because there's a... There's a section called the Brooklyn Brock, uh, the Brooklyn Block, um, the Brooklyn Brigade uh, there, and they invited me to come up with there, which was also just another bizarre experience when I'm this little, literally little bloke from England, is at the Brooklyn Nets, and these fans are asking for selfies with you, and because they've seen you be on their to, on their halftime shows and stuff, and it was, it was just the whole experience was absolutely incredible. Everything about New York and Brooklyn. So the last day when I was there, it snowed. Um, so I just went in the evening, sat underneath the Brooklyn Bridge at night. Everything lit up all the city of Manhattan with just snow sat under there. And it was just sort of 
the permit day, I went to do the Home Alone 2 trail. So I was doing that by myself, going through uh, going through the park and Grandpa's hotel. Um, so, yeah, it was just it was just an incredible experience. And I'd love to go out there again. Um, obviously, it's, it's a big commitment to do that money-wise and so forth. And when I'm the only person working for myself, it's, it's very hard to take a longer period of time off, especially with the commitments I have to British basketball clubs, to Gloucester, to Manchester, to Bristol. Um, it's hard to find a longer bit of time off. But it's, it's definitely something which I want to do again. Um, but there's also that, is it going to live up to the first time you've been? I kind of like that as a magical experience, you know. I was fully into the Brooklyn Nets then, but now my my priorities are more British basketball. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd love to go out there again, but it's not a, it's not at the top of my list. There's other things which I want to do here. But yeah, I still love my Nets, even as even if we get magic bad, I still love my Nets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Elliot, the, the Nets are being talked of still as a playoff team. And, you know, obviously this is a magic podcast and you've got more of an insight than the, certainly than me. Uh, KD's gone, so I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, why are the Nets being talked of as a playoff team? Sell us on the Nets for the season. There's a lot of potential there. I mean, some series are positive that there's no real expectation set. I'm... I'm a sportsman, so I like winning. And I think when I came last time on this pod, I said about the dangers of tanking that you get in that mentality of losing. It's, it's very hard to get out of a out of a system of losing when you're so used to it, regardless of your talent level. Um, and especially when you when I, I'm not a fan of tanking anyway. And even when drafts, you can never guarantee if a draft pick is going to be good. There's absolutely zero guarantee. It's why it's always bizarre for me when these players are traded away for so many draft picks and stuff. And it's strange. But the Nets, they've got good players there. The, 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 the thing which is the difference is there's a potential all-star to come back. Now he's actually had a chance to recover from a broken back. That's what he had. A broken back, and so Ben Simmons can step up. You've got a number one pick that is an all star, and something which not many teams have in the league. There's not many people like Ben Simmons. Obviously, that's a big risk that can happen. You've then got uh, Mikel Bridges, who has obviously last year has stepped up to to put up incredible numbers and to be the leading man. Um, you've then got people like Cam uh, Cam Johnson. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie I'm not Spencer Dinwiddie's greatest fan but he's a mid-level and I don't mean a mid-level player with any disrespect because every player in the NBA is in the upper echelons of the sports player but in terms of basketball players so if he can be a sick man then he's good and it depends what Joe Harris as well haven't you sorry you got Joe Harris still Joe Harris is gone oh he's gone is he yeah he's on the Pistons Oh, is he? Right, I missed that one. Oh, no, no, but what a wonderful day that was. What an absolutely wonderful day. The most overrated player that has ever played in the NBA. But he's got a good gimmicky first pump. <laughs> um, but the biggest thing for the Brooklyn Nets, the potential they've got, is Cam Thomas. Now, Cam Thomas has... The, it's very, very, very rare that you will get a 20-year-old that can score 40 points three games in a row, ever. So it's very rare that you will get a player that can score 40 points three games in a row. For a 20-year-old to do that, 
my worry with the Brooklyn Nets is the coaching staff and the owners is that they're going to restrict that. And when a person is 20 years old, I couldn't care less if they can't defend. I couldn't care less if they take the wrong option. If someone has that talent and can put up numbers like that, it is so rare to happen that you say just go out and ball. And especially in a situation where we're saying the Nets have no expectations, this is the perfect chance to say to that kid, go out and ball, because he'll learn the rest of it. If he's going to be that good a player, he'll learn the rest of it. Let's take the biggest example. People are going to say you're wild for using this person's name in it. But Kobe Bryant, when he was shooting all those air balls when he first came in, no one said to him, stop passing instead. No one said to him, you can't do this. You know, there's a potential there for Cam Thomas to be one of the best picks that there's been and one of the one of the most missed out on players to go on. So the Nets should reach the playoffs. There's enough talent there. There's enough solid rotational players with Baisley coming in. Um, but he's getting to the playoffs something to be excited about. Absolutely. Maybe Absolutely. Maybe for some teams. For me, it's not. I want to win. I, I understand the fun of doing it and I understand that's not going to happen, but my mentality as a sportsman is you want to win. Um, so we should make the playoffs, but you never know. You never know how players step up. You never know what's going to happen. No. Um, uh, interestingly, I just want to add on Joe Harris there. Did you know that Joe Harris was traded to Orlando and waived the same day prior to joining the Nets? Oh, you got all that. Got away with one there, mate. Got... <laughs> <laughs> my, my issue... 2016, sorry, I think it was. I'm just going to clear this up because a lot of people say, why do you hate Joe Harris? I don't hate Joe Harris. Joe Harris could have been a very good basketball player, but Joe Harris disappeared when he was required. When he needed to step up and he was the fourth highest paid player in the Brooklyn Nets. But when people relied on him, when he was needing the playoffs, he shirked away and shirked responsibility. That was my frustrations with him. That's why I was like, why are we paying 20 million for a guy mm. who, if it's an important game, is going to be nowhere to see? And you'd see that when we played lower level teams, he'd be taking six, seven, eight shots a game. When we play a top team, he'd take three shots a game. Uh, sure. And that's not the output you need from a 20 million a year player. No. So then, who's finishing higher, Orlando or Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Okay. Should we put away well, when you go out into it? When you go out into it, it's quite hard for other teams to be above you. <laughs> I love the confidence every year, isn't it? 82 and 0. <laughs> Good man, love it. And then the uh, and then the prediction changes based on everyone's so say yeah. it might be 81 and 1 after the first game, but you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I remember when you said with Cam Thomas there, I remember when he was drafted in the NBA. And a comparison that he got as a scorer was Donovan Mitchell. That was that was a legit comparison. They're saying if you had a late first rounder or like you know like a pick in the twenties and you wanted to take a flyer on someone who could put points on the board, the Cam Thomas was given a Donovan Mitchell upside. Yeah, I think everyone thought he had a bit of potential, but then when it happened mm. last year, um, yeah, it was you know like I say that. It just shows the mentality of someone there for a kid, because that's what he is. He's yeah. still only 21 now. For a 20-year-old last season to go out in Madison Square Gardens, win a game by scoring 40, you've got to have something special about you to do that. That can't just be any one of the middle guy that can go and do that in elite-level NBA games. Because bearing in mind, although this was when 
there was a little bit of fuss around Brooklyn. We'd just been on a on a like twenty and one run. So there were still title aspirations there. KD hadn't left. KD had just gone out injured and that's when Cam steps up. So it wasn't as if this was a end of season thing where there's no real pressure on. This was when Brooklyn was still being looked at as a title contender, that a 20-year-old is going and doing that and leading a title contending team. Um, that it takes a lot of mental strength and ability to do that. We, we saw one of our own young guards do a demolition job on the Knicks in Madison Square Garden, didn't we, G? We did. That would be we Mr. Did. Cole Anthony himself when the GOAT decided to come to play. It was uh, all she wrote for the Knicks that day. And there's a little rhyme in there for you as well. Um, who's the? Obviously, we're going to look at Bridges and say he's the best player on the Nets. Who would you say is the second best player if they're projecting as a playoff team? Is it Simmons or like I'm seeing some people online saying Claxton? Claxton made a phenomenal leap last season. And I, I have to admit that I was on Claxton's back a lot for the season before because there's no way as a youngster you should be averaging 20 games a season. Through injury, He always his fitness were concerns for me. Um, he looked unfit in terms of he was out of breath quickly. He didn't look like he had the stamina. Now, for me, that's a, that's a mentality issue. If you're not fit enough to play at the NBA level, that's something down to you. That's not looking at injury problems. But last year, he was absolutely phenomenal. And it looks like the steps he's made up again. So he's actually gone full circle. He's kind of done the opposite of what Joe Harris did. And that's why I love Claxton so much. Um, I, th- I, I wouldn't say he's the second best player. But I'd say Ben Simmons is the most important player for how he comes out this year. If Ben Simmons is on top form, then Nets are a problem for a lot of people. Ben Simmons isn't, then Nets aren't. That's the end of the season. That's over. Um, Because although we may have several good players, Ben Simmons is an exceptional player if he's he's playing well and he's on his game. Um, So, yeah, second best player. I'd say probably if they're on their best ball, he's at every player but their best ball, then Ben Simmons would be one. And Mikel Bridges would probably be number two if they're on their very best ball. But Mikel Bridges is obviously proving it and doing it for a long time. And there's no real question marks. Um, yeah. Yeah. The collapse has made a massive leap, but I think there's another leap for him to go. The problem is, is they have contract years for a lot of players. So Brooklyn Nets and Nick Claxton is one of them. Um, so he's also going to need to make that leap if he wants a contract at the end of it. Um, contract years usually go one or two ways for players. They either make an incredible step up or it goes the other way where they don't. Um, so again, this is why it's sort of tilting on a knife edge for the next this season. It could go one of either way, but I'm more than confident it will go the 82 and 0 way. Because we've we've seen uh, we've seen that we've seen the jumpers and the three point shots from Ben Simmons in the gym, which it tends to be the the a lot of players do this in the summer where they've got their workout videos, they've got their friend holding the phone and it's like, I'm coming, I'm coming back. And we've seen a lot of that ourselves, G. We've seen like Jalen mm. Suggs putting up shots before. We've seen some of Cole's tapes. We've seen Markel shooting, et cetera. And it, and it does, it hypes you up a little bit because you're like, oh, the, for these guys, they've found their range. Um, we already know that G's got his neck on the block for this is the season for Markel. So if I said uh, neck on the block and you had to project Ben Simmons now, what would you project what we're seeing at the end of the season about him? 
Uh, I do you know what? I'd absolutely love to step up and more so that I loved him before he came to Brooklyn Nets. And yeah. I think putting my little romantic hat on is I love seeing people overcome obstacles when they're belittled by people. So when Ben Simmons has highlighted mental health, the 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 vitriol he gets from it and got from it, that's why I'd love to see him achieve more so than anything for the Brooklyn Nets is for someone that openly has mental health struggles to be able to overcome those and succeed for me is an even bigger win than what could happen on a basketball court. Um, I think even from the, when they say they're shooting the breeze, actually that's recycled old videos for Ben Simmons. I think the key is he's actually had rehab. A lot of people forget that he had a broken back and surgery on his back. So it's not as if it's just had a, little injury or anything like that he's had he's had a chance to rehab he looks fit he looks strong already in the game against lakers our first preseason. he's driving at lebron james if there's anyone you're going to be intimidated by by being able to drive it's it's the greatest player of all time and he's there driving getting layups getting to the line so well, I'm coming. oh michael jordan anyone under 50 the greatest player of all time um, but I think, uh, yeah, so he looks strong. Like I say, you never know because with something like that, it could take one bad fall and his confidence could be gone from that. That's that's the severity of the injury he has. Anyone that's suffered a really bad injury, it's always in the back of your mind, always in the back of your mind that something could happen. Um, but you never know. So like I say, I'm hoping from a... Just from a, I always like to support the underdog. People will see that with him doing so. The fact that he got put down, but if he can stand up from everything, then that would be more successful for me, and that would make me happy. Come on, Gary, he's selling me a bit about these nets now. Simmons is a good player. Um, he's a phenomenal player. He's a he's he's somebody like you can't see, but it's, it's just a case of if he can re reach that level. And the, and the good thing yeah. is, is no, no one expects it. If, if you're actually involved in basketball and like basketball and understand basketball, you, you couldn't care less if he can shoot a three. He doesn't need to shoot a three. No, you're right. He's a, he's a six foot ten point guard with incredible vision that can get to the lane. So as long as he's being strong and confident and driving to the lane and facilitating others, then you've got Cam Thomas dropping 40 points a game. Then you've got Mikel Bridges. Averaging what was he averaged 28, po- 28 points a game at the end of last year? Then Ben Simmons never needs to shoot a free in his life. No, you're right. You're right. There's there's huge value in six foot ten, six foot eleven guys who can run the floor, score points, and handle the ball, and play like essentially point forward. Um, it's, yeah. it seems to be the future now. Yeah. So obviously, jerseys are your bread and butter. So. What are your thoughts on that beautiful jer- magic jersey that dropped? Uh, the classic one, the blue stars. Um, and is it going to be going into your personal collection? <laughs> it'll be going in, I don't think it'll be going into my personal collection. Um, one, my personal collection is very trimmed down now, so I tend to try and only get uh, game worn or jerseys which mean something to me. Um, so if I can get player stuff or things. So I actually now own my first Philadelphia 76ers jersey um, because I managed to get the promo one of where they came over and played in Manchester. 
Um, there was a signed 76 jersey and a collector from Europe knew that I do a lot with the Manchester Giants and obviously the jersey guy, so he reached out to me. So I managed to get hold of that because the Oklahoma City one is actually framed in the National Performance Center. So it's quite nice to have the only other one that. I went to that game. I went to you that were there, game. there, mate. I was there, mate. I was there. There we go. Yeah, it's quite a strange game. I, I wish I had the OKC one because uh, KD has signed that one. And the Sixers didn't really have many superstars out then. Um, but yeah, so the magic, it is beautiful. It's one of the classic jerseys. I'd say, I'd say that and the, don't shout at me, that and the Chicago Bulls black and red pinstripe one is sort of two of the most well-known uh, uh, jerseys from the time. The red one you associate with Jordan and the Bulls. And obviously the magic one is associated with Shaq. Um, Shaq and Penny uh, so yeah it's a nice bit of nostalgia and you know I've I've been I've been commenting a little bit on Twitter about people that continue to slate Nike and say jerseys are at the worst point that they've ever been and it's the complete opposite you know I see people pick out five jerseys which they most dislike of Nike and compare it to five jerseys that their favourite when they were younger so they're basing their whole assumption on nike off a less than one percent sample size um the good thing about nike now is they're taking risks and that's what you want with jersey designs you want people to take risks that the best jersey you can produce will be like marmite you want a lot of people to hate it but you also want a lot of people to like it because it's about creating buzz and conversation around what you were designing so same with any piece of art and that's how i look at jerseys is there are so, so I may not like, like the paint. Yeah, I may not like bit, the paintings with Gemma likes. Yeah, but it's a bit like the space jersey the Magic had the first city years. Do you remember that it. one? I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's, I thought it was brilliant. And a lot yeah. of people will hate that. Um, but there's yeah. also very clever things they do. So where people are saying that their jerseys are bad, the Miami Vice series in 30, 40 years' time, will go down as the greatest series of capsule jerseys has ever been. So how can you say that their designing is at an all-time low when they're producing things like that? It's, you know, it, it's my mind. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. But, yeah, Magic, Magic have got good jerseys. I like Magic jerseys. Even, even the orange, all. I, I did that, like, a lot of people were upset. Well, there we go. Yeah. But the, oh, the, the other one. But the other one. But even that was clever because, yeah, it was the ORL, wasn't it? It was the inverted colours of the season before, which people only realised when all the media was done about it and the announcement of it and the lights were switched. It's, it's just clever little things like that. And the detailing you get on jerseys now, there's always hidden little details which kind of like. So I think it's on the one you're wearing, Gary. So where from a distance, it just looks like an orange pinstripe. So, yeah, why not us? Yeah. So it's just little details like that matter. There's a there's a little rumor floating around on uh, Twitter, which I'm interested to see. I've sent it across to G if it's true, but there is a rumor floating around that the Magic City jersey this year is going to be a blue, but it's going to have the Orlando skyline and something some nods towards the um, original font and pinstripes. 
within it for the 35th anniversary, which I'd be interested to see because that leather, there's another leather jacket dropped recently. It has. And that leather jacket is predominantly blue with pinstripes on it, the Orlando skyline and the original font. And I'm wondering if that City Jersey rumour is true, if it's going to be a take on that jacket. They look good. I'm a little bit bored of City Skylines mm. because it's being oh. done in every single league in the world now. <laughs> it's, like, that's <laughs> it. it's like I get the image of 10 board people standing around going, right, ideas, what are we going to do? City Skyscape? Yeah, let's go and get lunch. <laughs> that sounds good. Like, just, I like them. They, they look good. That's why they keep doing it. But that's where it's like, do something different. Try something like different. the iridescent swoosh, isn't it, Elliot? Oh, oh, that is the greatest, greatest ever thing that has ever been on jerseys. And the Jerry West on the back. Yeah. Just like maybe I'm a magpie in a different life and just like obsessed with shiny things. But <laughs> Don't be one it's of just a brilliant addition to it, isn't it? It's just so good. When, especially when I sparkle it in the little lights. And like I say, when you're going to take the one Gary's got has, has got it as that's one of them. Probably can't see it on uh, there with it the, as well. Out. That was the sign that they were the legitimate ones because a lot of the ones that came out had just a grey, yeah. Well, actually, the season before the earned editions had a six, a swoosh like that, but it was just silver, uh, but it's like a grey silver because the earned editions were sort of the platinum range, so a lot yeah. of them were silver and grey. Um, some we, of the we, best ha- we had one of them, mate. We had one. The uh, Trailblazers, I've got a Mellow uh, Trailblazers one in my personal swim. It's one of my favourite ever jerseys. So it's grey with a darker grey and lighter grey stripe across it. Um, so yeah, they had it. And hopefully they took the idea from that because those iridescent solutions are, oh, they're so good. I've got, so tumor, good. I've got a tumor or cakey one in that. There you go. That'll be a, a rare one, tumor or cakey. It will, it will. Right, um, have you got time to hang around for to just go yeah, the man. NBA yeah, rankings, mate? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. we can just have a quick look. ESPN have released uh, they call NBA Rank Panel, uh, which is basically composed of nearly 150 reporters, editors, producers, and analysts, where they've asked to rank players based on their predicted contributions, quality, and quantity for the 23-24 season only. So. We have got a long list of 100, so I'm going to try and whip through them very quickly. We have got two Brooklyn Nets on there, two members of uh, the Orlando Magic. So I'll just read the first 50 off, uh, reverse order. So uh, just keep an ear out. Any of these sort of um, think, "Mm, should they be there or not? Just Keep that in your mind, all right? So 100 is Mitchell Robinson, 99, Jonas Valanciunas, 98, Colin Sexton, 97, Grant Williams, 96, Harrison Barnes, 95, Jalen Williams, 94, Russell Westbrook, 93, Mike Conley, 92, Emmanuel Quickly, 91, Josh Hart, number 90, John Collins, breathe, 89, Rob Williams, 88, Kevon Looney. 87, Buddy Heald. 86, Kyle Kuzma. 85, Anthony Simons. 84, Clint Capella. 83, Tobias Harris. 82, your boy, Elliot, Cam Johnson. 81, Bobby Portis. 80, Jalen Green. 79, Tyler Hero. 78, Scoot Henderson. 
77, Jordan Clarkson. 76, Chris Paul. 75, Nikola Vucevic, Elliot's favourite player. 74, Cade Cunningham. 73, Chet Holmgren. 72, Jordan Poole. 71, RJ Barrett. 70, Walker Kessler. 69, Brooke Lopez. 68, Michael Porter Jr. 67, OG Ananobi. 66, Austin Reeves. 65, Miles Turner. 64, Rudy Gobert. 63, Scotty Barnes. 62, Kristaps Porzingis. 61, Desmond Bain. 60, DeJounte Murray. 59, Marcus Smart. 58, Jeremy Grant. 57, Zion Williamson. 56, Fred Van Fleet. 55, Draymond Green. I spelled that wrong on my list. Um, so 54, uh, Andrew Wiggins. 53, Josh Giddy. 52, our Franz Wagner. 51, Aaron Gordon. Um, Franz is the good one. Franz is the good one. Franz is the good one, yes. Uh, well, Moritz is very good also. World Cup champions, uh, I'll have you know. Um, so Franz at 52, Magic Podcast. Is that fair? Me or Elliot first? Either of you. Either of you. Elliot, Whoever wants to jump in. Go on, Elliot. Is it saying having an impact on the league or on their team? An impact what? this season. So the criteria was um, based on their predicted contributions, quality and quantity for the forthcoming season. It's a, it's a tough one. It is a tough one, isn't it? Because you don't it's, know. It's, it, to me, it looks like they've done a list and forgotten some people and gone, oh, let's just chuck them in somewhere. Because, like, <laughs> Chet being up there, Zion, Zion at 57. So if they're putting him at 57, above the players which they've said, they're saying he's going to have an impactful season. If Zion's fit and has an impactful season, he's top 10. Okay. Because we've seen that from the output, which he's already done in his rookie seasons. He's already put up uh, record numbers. So if you're putting him at 57, you're above all of that. So you're putting him above like Brooke Lopez, who was a big reason to, like um, why Bucks finished number one seed last year. Above Tyler Hero, you're saying Zeon's fit. There's no way of Zeon's fit that he's the 57th most impactful player in the league. That's Crap. Maybe they maybe they're taking that into consideration. Yeah, maybe they're taking that into consideration. You know, he's missed a bit of time in the last two seasons, um, and maybe they don't expect him to, you know, play all season. But perhaps. Um, he's a but then I think if you say that, he wouldn't be fifty-seven, would he? He wouldn't be in the list at all. He'd be like Ben Simmons, not in the list. It's true. That's he's true. A, he's, I, I I raised eyebrows at Zion. When I saw him there, because it's another player who I think you can kind of apply that to on that list is if you're saying the fit. So if you're saying I expect them to play, I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, I think Pazingas, if he's fit, if he's yeah. fit, Boston possibly the champions. Sixty-two, Pazingas was. You know that that's how good he is. He, he's a yeah. game changer when he's fit. So I'm looking at that and I'm going, well. Would I rather have Chris Tapps Pazingas fit or Jeremy Grant? Yeah. It's, 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 it's the same same kind of thing with Chet. I think it's a bit of a cop out list. I, I would have on the Franz Wagner situation, 
I, I think Franz deserves absolutely to be on the list. I do look a little bit at that list though, and I'm like, well, I do think he's a bit better than Aaron Gordon, who's one spot ahead of him. Yeah, I, yeah. I, Aaron Gordon helped win the league last year, didn't he? That that's going to be the argument. But I would yeah. say if you were just look at standalone basketball playing talent, I would put Franz because we've seen both on a similar position team, and Franz did it, and Aaron Gordon couldn't. Um, the players that are interesting for me is just looking a little bit further down, and when Benyama's jumped in at 47 straight away before he's touched the ball in the pros. But Chet Holmgren as well, because he hasn't played a game. But at 47, yeah. at 47, <laughs> the names he's ahead of, like you're saying now, like guys like Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner, Lamelo Ball, Lamelo Ball, yeah. etc. The, the guys who've got legit all-star claims possibly coming up in, and he's ahead of them straight away. That's worrying for me. And then I would also... And I want Wembenyama to succeed. And I also think there's a lot of people should need to look at DeAndre Ayton because I think he's a player you're either buying stock in or there's a player who you're cashing out on there. And it's one or the other. I don't think you can say, oh, he's a middle ground guy. You're either thinking this guy's a 20 and 10 guy for Portland next year or Phoenix have got rid for a reason. And I don't think there's a uh, a middle ground on Ayton. But at 49 after what I saw in the playoffs <laughs> last season, I don't think I'll put Aiton up there that high. I'd put him fifties no. or sixties. And we got Cam Johnson there. Of your your nets there, Elliot, to eighty two. Is that fair? Yeah, I'd say so. I think in Brooklyn, you know, he's been paid. He's been paid this year. He's got his contract. So I think I think that's right. They need to be. I, I, I think it's very hard because I think the NBA are very clever in making purposefully ambiguous lists. It's the same with the M- MVP. They've never actually defined what the MVP is. And they purposefully leave that open to interpretation because it creates conversation. So it gets people talking about that. They're very, very clever people at the NBA. They know what they're doing to get their engagement. Um, so it's like a lot of these lists that you don't actually know what they mean. Yeah. Um, so it's got, so I've already seen on Twitter that half the arguments is this list is who's the best player now in the NBA. Another list is what impact are they going to have on this season? Um, I think, to be honest, I think it's just an amalgamation of names. <laughs> I think you could have literally put it into one of those random names. For the, for the, you've obviously got your top 20 players who are the standout top 20. I think the other 80, you could put into the like the random wheel spinner. Mm. And then just pick out each one and plop it there and you'd be able to make an argument for or against every single one of them. It's like when I say that the talent level is that high when you get the players just below the proper elite level mm. that you can have an argument. For it. And that's why that's why basketball is so fun and so unpredictable. It's because actually it's these players are at such a high level that some of them just make that slight step up and it can transform a whole team. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. two Could be right. Could be wrong. Absolutely yeah. no idea. I'll read through the top 50 G, G, Can I ask you a question before we go on? Of course on? you can. Yes. If I was to read the names, um, Harrison Barnes, Grant Williams, Colin Sexton, okay, Jonas Valanciunas and Mitchell Robinson... Yeah. Do you think they are better than your boy Markel Fultz? No, then they're, they're not better than Markel Fultz. So Markel's going to have a much better season than those guys. Um, yeah, 
I don't want to go. Uh, I didn't. Know, want, I'm not know. trying to set a fire well, on you. No, 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 no. Really, no. just want to ask that question whilst we're here. But I mean, they're very good players, all of them. But I, I, we talk about it every week. We're overlooked. We're never on national television. We got one national game this season. Slowly, people are starting to turn to, to to watch us after seeing what Paolo and France did, Anne Moritz and Joe Ingles in the World Cup. So that's a bit of you know um, limelight on the magic. Um, you know they think of Markel, they think of the injury in Philadelphia, um, and they're not even they're not even tuning in to see to see how they're doing. Um, we mentioned earlier, Al, we we recorded the first part and we spoke about the New Orleans Pelicans broadcasters, and they were so insightful yesterday. They knew you know the opposition team like you wouldn't like we we'd never heard before. So it, it was really good to hear. Um, and I just hope that the national media, you know, start watching us um, and, and giving, you know, plaudits to Markel, to Wendell Carter Jr., who was on another random list. He was on the bottom tier of centres, which, you know, unbelievable. Yeah, um, I think uh, I agree, but I think a lot of that is home bias. So I think you can take any fan base who aren't, Lakers, Celtics, etc., who are on TV every time, rightly so, because they are the they have the biggest fan bases that generates the income. That's where the demand is. But again, it's where I'm saying it's not, a lot of the time. I don't think it's disrespect when people are left out. It's just the fact that there's other people where there's more eyes on. I, I, I often say that it's the most overused word in NBA Twitter is disrespect. It's kind of goes back to that uh, thing where someone's if someone's saying I like uh, pancakes for breakfast, doesn't mean you're saying I hate waffles. It just means that you like something different. But we all see that when you're when you're a team which isn't in the mainstream, only you really see how good the other players are on your team. So if someone isn't mentioning them, it's not because they don't think they're a good player; it's because they haven't been exposed to them. Um, and that's driven by revenue and money, unfortunately. So that's why the Nets probably wouldn't have that many games this season because two of the because the stars have gone. Um, that's just the way it is. That's the way the world works, unfortunately. Yeah, let me uh, just finish off the top fifty. Uh, just just so the uh, listeners just can hear the the rest of it without having to go on to ESPN. So at fifty, you got Jarrett Allen, uh, ex Brooklyn Net. Uh, 49, DeAndre Ayton, 48, Lamelo Ball, 47, Victor Wembanyama, 46, Chris Middleton, 45, Julius Randle. You can boo if you want, Elliot. 44, CJ McCollum, 43, James Harden, 42, Tyrese Maxey, 41, Clay Thompson, 40, Evan Mobley, 39, DeMar DeRozan, 38, Zach Levine, 37, Bradley Beal, 36, Darius Garland, 35, John Morant. 34, Kyrie Irving. Hold that thought, Elliot. We're going to come back to that in a second. Uh, 33, your boy, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, 32, Jalen Brunson. 31, Jaron Jackson Jr. And at 30, is it the greatest player in the NBA? Paolo Banquero. 29, Trey Young. 28, Lowry Markinen. 27, Brandon Ingram. 27, Drew Holiday. 25, Pascal Siakam. 24, Kawhi Leonard. 23, De'Aaron Fox. 22, DeMontis Sabonis. 21, 
uh, Halliburton, 20, Carl Anthony Towns, 19, Jalen Brown. This is like the charts, isn't it? Jesus. Uh, 18, Paul George, 17, Jamal Murray, 16, Bam Adebayo. He's too high. 15, Donovan Mitchell, 14, Damian Lillard, 13, Anthony Edwards, 12, Jimmy Butler, who's too high. 11, Devin Booker, 10, Anthony Davis, 9, LeBron, 7, uh, 9, 8, SGA, 7, Durant, 6, Tatum, 5, Curry, 4, Doncic, 3, Embiid, 2, Jokic, and Giannis is number 1. So, I'm going to come to Elliot first, because 8, your guy Bridges at 33, and I know you've got a problem with where Kyrie's sat. Don't see how you can have the greatest ball handler of all time as 34. And and before anyone comes with anything saying against me, look at the other people that are missing all the games, which are ranked higher than them. Take away all the which people like to push. Kyrie Irving is the greatest ball handler of all time. You watch Kyrie play, and there is no better player to watch in this sport than watching Kyrie. The guy's a magician. Maybe she should be on the magic. Him and Luca together. You know, it's 34. You've got you've got Tiara one place above, and Tiara Rand's missing the first 30 games, isn't he? Yes. Yes. But this list is just you know, got your Mick Mikko Bridges is above him. Yeah, it's like Yeah, it's a very uh it's like I say, it's just an amalgamation. It's like when they miss Kyrie off the top seventy five. Like, yes. like, well, actually, they didn't miss him out. He was on the list. Then Mike stuck their nose in, and he had to get removed from it. This is the problem with it: is that they can't not leave him on the list. But to, to be fair to Kyrie, he's been asked about it so many times that his response has been, "I don't care about any list." <laughs> which is actually funny there, which is why. But it's just like, and it's not as if he's at the end of his career. That's what I'm saying. It's not as if Kyrie's like. Being guy, and he did it five years ago. Like, if you, even if you just watched him at the moment, is <laughs> bizarre. List you've got James Harden in the top fifty. Uh, who, who's he playing for? Philadelphia seventy six at the moment. Uh, it, he said, he's already said, "I'm not going to play for the seventy sixers again." So, who are we saying that James Harden is going to have an impact on the strip clubs? Because he should be number one if we're ranking what he's going to have an impact. So, I love James Harden, by the way, but. It doesn't have a team, so uh, how you can make it? It's like Tyler Hero being seventy nine, just like easy. But who's he going to play for? Pat Riley's desperate to get rid of him. Pat Riley will offer him up in every trade possible. It's a very, very strange list. I don't get it. I, 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 I I'm sorry that I'm like sitting out, but I don't get what this list is. I don't understand it. You got no, Z on it. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. All right. It's very bizarre, but also Jokic should be number one. Yeah, that's 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 a good argument. That's a good argument. Um, Bancaro at thirty. Yeah, uh, Gary. I'm um, just jumping on what Elliot said there. As much of a Yanis fan as I am, you cannot overlook what Jokic has done the last couple of years. And Jokic right now is the best player in the NBA, hands down. That's it. Um, so it's Yanis, if Yanis wants to be number one, if he really cares about this list, which he probably doesn't, but if he does. Giannis has got to win a title this season. Um, Where was Dame? Dame is, was Dame's actually 14th. He's just behind Anthony Edwards. 
which is that, 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 that's that's again why Jokic should be top because the Nuggets is Jokic is the star. You got mm-hmm. Jamal Murray there, who's a hell of a ball player, but it's not uh, it's not Yanis and Lillard who are. And I, I'm going to be honest here. I've never got the massive bus about Lillard. I think he's a good player. I think he's a little bit. I don't really get the massive hype of giving up a whole franchise win, but Yanis is going to have to share a lot of the ball now with Dave. Jokic should be right at the top. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree on being one. As for Paolo, I think 30 is about fair right now. Yeah, I, um, I will say that if you're projecting on this season and what we're hoping to do, I would like to think in a rewrite if the Magic are going to do what we think the Magic can do, maybe Paolo should be looking at spot 25. If we want to take a leap and we're going to be a playoff team, then Paolo, for me, has outperformed, or hopefully outperformed, Trey Young, Mark, and then Brandon Ingram, I think is a cracking player, Drew Holiday, and um, Siakam. I would think he's ahead of those. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge Cat fan. Carl anthony Towns at 20, um, the court Andy Towns then not for me, Clive. So I'll just leave that one there, and uh, that's it. Is um, is it is it a failure of the season if Bankero doesn't make an All Star, doesn't get an All Star selection? It, it dep- for me, for it depends for him personally. I don't think it's a failing on the season because I think there's a number of things that could happen that would stop him getting it. Like there is a very real debate out there, which G might correct me on, but you could say, well, it's one A and one B and Franz Wagner has been that good that there's, could Wagner make the all-star team ahead of Paolo? That, that, that's possible. And um, I don't think it's a failing. I think the failing on the season is if the magic don't make the playoffs. Yeah, that yeah, that's the feeling. It's, it's, it's the team game aspect, and I think if the Magic have made the playoffs, it, particularly if we've avoided the play-in, I think if we've gone straight in, it's say six or higher. If one of Paolo or Franz hasn't made the All Star team, it's probably that they're, they're getting talked about as a snub. Yeah, that's yeah. I think they're. Um, I think snubs are getting less and less and less. I think. Mm. I think yeah, that works so. out about it because otherwise you wouldn't get players like Laurie Mark and wouldn't have made an all-star last year um, if it was just down to popularity. Mm. Um, I, I just From an outsider, um, without being a Magic fan, I think Bancaro is already... The, the public perception is that Bancaro is way ahead of Wagner. Is it Wagner? <laughs> Wagner? Oh my God, Wagner. Only friends um, to his friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I th- that, that, that's the perception we have. You hear a lot about Kero, maybe it was because it was his rookie season, but there may also be, and Tim Foyle hat on, it, it may be a disadvantage for Franz that he shares the team with his brother because you won't know it. Like, they'll get people which will lose it to the other. Like, when you've just got one name being said, you always know it's that person. When you've got two, but it's like me. I say it every time to Garrett, it's either good one. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I don't you do know apart, you know what I mean. But I think, um, yeah, I think that he should be. I think that's what his aspiration should be. I, I agree, it's not a failure. That was the wrong, mm. wrong choice of words, and I, I'm going to criticise myself there because I hated it when they were saying to Yanis 
last year was them not winning the title of Fabia um, because his answer was as perfect as it could be maybe in your eyes but it's what an expectation is set as um, yeah I, I'm excited by Magic but I've said that for two seasons in a row this there's is the year this is the year mate yeah but there's got to be a point like I've said about OK, like, like OKC I'd say Magic and OKC are two of my teams to watch this year. But there's got to be a point where being fun and competitive becomes a cop-out because you're a professional sports team. Every, every single one of those players, every, and I say every single player that plays in the NBA believes they are the best player that's ever played basketball. If they didn't have that mentality, they wouldn't be in the NBA. So there comes a point we need to start winning. Um, and I think it has to be this season. Or I feel that there has to be something done that maybe there's a change of tats. I don't know. It's, it's all, in my mind, Orlando's a desirable place for someone to go and live. It's quite hot. It's a good place for the kids. You've got Disney World there. You know, It should be quite desirable. So I don't see why Magic can't go and get stars. So if it's a failure this year, do they stop this? We'll build up all the youngsters and go, right, let's go all in for someone. It's the first season where I've seen to G earlier on that it's the first season in a while where I've had an expectation. I expect to be in the playoffs and expect to see a leap and then have that hope of what's to come. Do I expect us to win the title this year? No. Do I expect us to make noise this year? Yes. Um, as a free agent destination, I think the Magic can attract them. Because we've done it before with like with Horace Grant was a big one. Grant Hill, you know, if it hadn't been for the team playing, if you believe it, it would have been Tim Duncan. We got T Mac. Rashad Lewis was a pretty good pickup when we got him, etc. So I think it's it's there. I think at some point we're going to cash in chips, but I think they're waiting for this Donovan Mitchell style where there's a player who we didn't see becoming disgruntled, becomes disgruntled, and then all of a sudden. Orlando and OKC are going to have a package on the table yeah. where you've got a bunch of young players and picks which other teams can't match. And I, I There's think a that... lot of players available next year too, isn't there? A lot of players. And that's another good thing for Brooklyn is Brooklyn have now got 11 picks in the next seven years um, with very young players. So this is next offset. I don't really get excited by trade season or anything. I think it's too complicated. I I'm busy enough without having to worry about how many years of money and all these trades for future picks in 17 years, but it's only a pick if you finish in the bottom four or someone else finishes in the top five but has three cheerleaders. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone running their <laughs> trade machines. Oh, you sound oh, like you're negotiating for the Lakers there. Exactly. I'm like, I want no involvement in this whatsoever. Just tell me who my squad is at the start. Um but yeah, that's why I think it's key for a lot of teams. That's kind of why I said that, because of the talent which is available at the end of the season. Um, that it'll be interesting to see if teams with a lot of young potential and draft picks actually have a change of tact and say, let's try and go all in. Nets won't do that because uh, Joe Tsai cares more about dying on the bench than having a superstar. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, I think that's gonna it's gonna do it for this one. So thank you ever so much, Elliot, for joining us. We really appreciate that. Do you want to just give a shout out to your socials and where people can find you, your website, uh, so where you can go and get your next Paolo or Franz jersey? 
Yeah, so the website is hoopingandlooting.com. Uh, I think there's a couple of kids' magic jerseys on there at the moment. Uh, but yeah, we've got prints, other stuff coming through. Uh, the socials, if you want to keep up to date, especially in the UK with all UK things, basketball, we're growing sport, we're starting to get recognised, we're making a mark in Europe. Uh, so Twitter is unlooting. Uh, Instagram is hooping and looting. Uh, TikTok is hooping and looting. But yeah, if you get over stats in the list, you'll be the first to know about anything that goes out. Anything that goes onto the website is always previewed before it goes on there. So if you sign up to the mailing list, you'll always be in the know about any magic stuff which is going on. And if you tune into my lives, you'll be able to see the Orlando magic foam fingers in the background, which is always pictured on every time. So it's official. I am the number one Orlando magic fan because I have to. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, amazing. So uh, thank you always for listening and watching. Uh, If you like the episode, please give it a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel at Orlando Magic UK. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, all at Orlando Magic UK. So until next week, from Gary Elliott and myself, go Magic.